0: Danielle Outlaw swept into Portland less than three years ago with her eyes on the prize. The first African-American woman to lead the police bureau said she wanted to repair the law enforcement agency's strained relationship with the community, enact reforms mandated by the Federal Justice Department, and provide a steady hand to a bureau with a rotating cast of chiefs in recent years. Mayor Ted Wheeler proclaimed he'd found a partner and a dynamic chief for the long haul. By December 30th, Outlaw was gone, hired as Philadelphia's new police chief. On to the next challenge. I'm Andrew Thien, and this is Beat Check with The Oregonian. Up next, a conversation with Maxine Bernstein, who's covered every Portland police chief, and there have been a lot of them, since 1998. We talked about how Max broke the story about Outlaw's departure, what her legacy is in Portland, and what to expect from the new chief, Jamie Resch. Max, thanks for taking the time to come on the podcast. I appreciate it. Sure. Where were you when you first got word uh, that Chief uh, Danielle Outlaw was was leaving Portland?
1: Uh, Do you really want to know? I do. Um, It was Monday, last Monday. I was supposed to be off that week after working Christmas Eve and the evening of Christmas. So uh, I took the whole week off. And that Monday was supposed to be the nicest day for skiing at Mount Hood. So, my sons and family, we were all going to go skiing. So, we were up. We had breakfast. We had all our gear in the car. Uh, just had my backpack. Everything was packed. We were all set to go. And then my cell phone rings. And it's a source who tells me, this is urgent. Outlaw took a job for in uh, Philadelphia as Philadelphia Police Commissioner. Wow. So... All my kids are like, Mom, we got to go. You're off. You're off. And I grabbed my laptop, called my editor, Margaret Haberman, and told her and said I would write something up on the way to the mountain, and then um, others would, who, who are working would have to uh, chip in and assist. And so I was in the back seat with my laptop writing the story, And um,
0: headed up Highway Twenty Six. Headed up,
1: and my my (laughs) self-imposed deadline was, I better get this done and sent over before I lost cell service, you know, at Welch's or (laughs) Rhododendron. And so I, I, and I also alerted. I have an older brother who lives in Philadelphia. And I texted him and said, "If you see anything in the Philadelphia Inquirer, let mm-hmm. me know." We uh, published it right before I got to the mountain. Amazing! And I said, "That's it, you know." Everyone uh, and luckily, um, other reporters assisted and provided and added to the story throughout the day with uh, with reaction and information from the Philadelphia.
0: And you still hit the slopes that day. Yes, still
1: hit the slopes. Not <laughs> enough snow, but it was great sunny bluebird day.
0: Well, um, that's sometimes you know what happens in the biz uh, when news breaks. You gotta you gotta scramble. Um, yeah,
1: I was I was glad I had a chance to get my laptop before I got in the car, so I was able to at least get the story up.
0: And that's kind of an amazing backstory. But uh, what what legacy do you think Chief Danielle Outlaw leaves behind here in Portland?
1: Well, she was only here uh, two years and two months. Uh, I feel like she was still trying to settle in. And um, she spoke about the importance of 21st century policing, which Mm -hmm. is a buzzword you hear, um, you know, a lot. Um, But she was trying to she spent like the first six months or so. trying to learn the department and the bureau and come up with a command staff she felt comfortable with. Mm -hmm. Um, And then she also um, was learning all the requirements of the DOJ settlement, which required changes to police bureau policies, training, oversight, and... um, I think she worked she, – she had a lot of contacts nationally, so she used those. She brought in outside trainers to train officers on de-escalation. Um, she also was pushing for an officer wellness program mm-hmm. where officers could um, – to ensure that, you know, that they dealt with the stress that uh, they faced on the job day-to-day um, – So I think she was in the process of putting things and programs in place. And, I mean, her biggest um, marching order, as she called it, from Mayor Wheeler was to improve uh, the community's trust within in the police bureau. And a lot of her, you know, first year was just trying to meet people and get to know people. So I feel like, you know, she 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 was still feeling her way here and hadn't yet established a strong footing.
0: It's hard to build trust in in two years, yes, you know, yes. um, when you're talking about some of the uh, the issues. You mentioned the DOJ settlement that was regarding um, how officers treated mentally ill Portlanders, right?
1: Uh, people with mental I mean, illness. Yeah, um, yeah and, and it also showed the excessive use of tasers mm-hmm. against uh, suspects who weren't... Um, Putting up any resistance, so it revamped policies on use of force. It uh, required additional training and also community oversight. Uh,
0: when uh, Chief Outlaw was hired, I mean she she's kind of a she's got a a great name <laughs> for law enforcement, and she's you know a striking figure and a a woman of color. It was kind of a it seemed like a big deal at the time, right? When she was hired, I
1: yeah, know. I think it was a monumental move. It, um, The mayor took time. He did a national search. He interviewed some thirty or so finalists. Mm -hmm. Uh, Community panels were engaged in interviewing finalists and making recommendations. And then, once she was named, her swearing-in ceremony was at the Oregon Historical Society. On uh, there was a civil rights. exhibit at the time, and she purposely held the swearing-in ceremony there and noted the uh, the history of Oregon, mm-hmm. and she said, you know, we can't improve unless we're familiar with The problems here, the racial discrimination. And, uh, you know, that was a big change for Yeah, it's not the Justice Center. right?
0: Yeah. Um, What do you think? You know, you've covered a lot of chiefs, Max. Um, What will you remember most about about Chief Outlaw?
1: She told you what she was thinking. There was not a lot of guesswork when you spoke to her. She spoke her mind. Um, Even if she disagreed, she would acknowledge the disagreement but um she was polite about it but she was blunt and uh i don't think she liked and and she was still getting used to some of the passive aggressiveness in in this city uh, and among yeah. uh politicians and the city council and and she was she always said she's not a politician she just sort of wanted to lead the bureau lead and learn she was you know very uh Great in front of people and speaking, and she had a presence about her mm-hmm. that um was more commanding than some of the past chiefs um and so you know i I like that she was you know a petite lady, yeah. but very strong, leading this bureau of nearly a thousand officers so um I think she had she had so much potential here if if she stayed, but obviously. You know, this is, as the mayor described it, mm-hmm. as a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. Philadelphia police department, the fourth largest in the country. Uh, it has significant problems, but, um, you know, she's only 43.
0: Right. That's remarkable. Yeah. <laughs> it is. Yeah. Yeah, and so now she uh, tries to, to reshape that department, which, like you said, is, uh, is facing uh, its own a slew of issues uh, different than what we have here in Portland. Um, how many chiefs have you covered uh, while reporting at the Oregonian Max?
1: I was looking back, and I started in 98 when uh, Chief uh, Charles Moose was uh, head of the Bureau, and so I think it's been 10 or 11. If you count, there's been, like, interim chiefs who serve very few months but I I think um, Chief Resch would be the 11th chief since I started here at the Oregonian.
0: Wow I mean that's a lot of turnover Uh, what do you make of I mean is that do you have a sense of whether that's normal or um, is that just kind of you know we've had a a, a kind of a a series of um, Chief Outlaw was not involved in this but some of her predecessors left for you know various uh, scandals.
1: Yeah, we had some crazy scandals. I mean, um if you look back in the last 5 years, there's been five chiefs. Um and that's starting with chief, you know, O'Day who didn't last long after the controversy over his uh off-duty shooting of a friend on on a camping trip. Um then there was an interim uh Donna Henderson she was in place for a few months before Chief Marshman came on. And um, a lot of it, I think, you know, the chiefs serve at, at the uh, discretion of the mayor, the police right. commissioner. And I, that's, you know, with each police commissioner and there's changes in elections, I think they want to feel comfortable with uh, whoever's at the top of the police bureau and often... Um, you know, I, I think Chief, um, sorry, Mayor Wheeler came in, and Marshman was the chief, and I don't, you know, I think there was a sense he wanted to appoint someone himself.
0: Yeah. So um, you mentioned the commissioner form of government. So there's there's a political system <laughs> where it's really uh, it it's uh, you're going to have a lot of chiefs um, because of that system potentially, because you're going to have political uh, reasons behind it.
1: Yeah, I mean, I've I started in Hartford, Connecticut, and covered police there, and uh you know, in other cities, there's large police commission commissions where the chief reports to a commission. Here, mm-hmm. you just report to the police commissioner, who's the mayor, who's you know their tenure. They haven't, you know, there's right. I believe most of the they've Recent been first term mayors, mayors right? Have been first one one term mayors right, i should one say one term and so um, i think it reflects that
0: at one point then mayor adams kind of bucked trends, and commissioner saltzman was briefly the police commissioner but i can't recall any other right other That's true. Yeah. um so pivoting let's uh, tell us about uh chief rush jamie rush who is she
1: so Jamie Rush is um started with the Portland Police Bureau. She's an insider who started and was hired in what was called Operation 80, which was this large class in 1999. I believe that was when Chief Moose was uh still head of the bureau and um she grew up. She said she's from Montana but grew up in the Beaverton area. Okay. Uh, went to Beaverton High and then to University of Portland, It was interesting yesterday in her first uh press conference um, She said she she planned to be a doctor she majored in allied health services and psychology and uh when that becoming a doctor for yeah. whatever reason didn 't go through, she decided to apply to the police bureau more. Not of any particular interest in criminal justice, but more out of a sense like, let's see if I can do this. I don't know. And she, she had no exposure to police work, she said, in the past. It wasn't
0: her her family. She didn't come from a a, a family of uh, either law enforcement officers or service members or anything like that. No, she didn't mention
1: yeah. any of that. And uh, so then uh, as soon as she started, she said she loved it. She enjoyed the people that she worked with and she really quickly rose through the ranks um, fairly quietly Um, you know someone said it's odd that you don't know her name you know after spending some 20 years in the bureau um, she stayed under the radar but yet she was selected when outlaw served as chief and she was setting up her command staff she shows Jamie Resch, who was a captain at the time Mm -hmm. at North Precinct, I believe, to be her assistant chief of investigations. And everyone at that time was like, whoa, that's pretty unusual. Usually a commander goes to the assistant chief. But I think um, Outlaw said at the time as well that she wanted to find people, uh, supervisors in the Bureau who weren't just doing things to get their name known, but were doing it out of, you know, a, a real sense of wanting to help others or improve yeah. the community. And so she saw um, in Jamie Resch a uh, potential you know young leader. and, and then she was assistant chief uh, in May of 2018. Mm-hmm. And then um, when Bob Day, who was the, uh, outlaw's deputy chief, um, left and retired, she chose rush to be her deputy chief, and that was just in may so she 's only been deputy chief for eight months
0: wow um so it's it 's both a rapid rise but also like like you mentioned she 's been in it for more than two decades um, Some of these uh leaders in the bureau maybe are more visible i guess right before they rise to those ranks i mean can yeah you-
1: usually they're um usually like they 're head of a precinct they're a precinct commander right and they may, may have more interaction with the media at the scene or, or on right. some issues that crop up she was a captain in the precinct i mean she worked on the gun task force i think she was a crime analyst for tactical operations i mean she she was active and she was a lieutenant in east precinct mm-hmm. but um you know, I, I, she wasn't as well-known, or her face, her face might have been well-known, but her name wasn't as well-known to the public.
0: Yeah. So um, w- what did you learn when talking to um, some of her colleagues or people who have known or seen her work through through the years? What did you learn about her? Um,
1: I heard she's very meticulous and very humble, that she, you know, is not out there to, to gain the limelight, but she wants to get the work done. Um, You know, I heard one anecdote. This is from a retired commander, Wendy Steinbron, who is now police chief in Washougal, Washington. Mm-hmm. Um, she said, you know, she remembered um, Jamie was a uh, lieutenant at East Precinct and it was or a sergeant at East Precinct. But it was she was newly in that role and all, her whole night shift. Of officers were complaining about their assignments and the next morning she she came up with a solution where she you know had each assignment on different pieces of paper and told officers to draw a slip and um that would be their shift for the night their their district for the night and um so she figured out a way to just deal with the complaining and get the work done
0: um
1: so yeah i was she described her as no nonsense, meticulous, hardworking, smart and but over and over I heard that she's a she is a collaborator. She wants to hear other people's um viewpoints and thoughts more than some other higher supervisors might.
0: Well that and you actually had some interesting details that she's been very um it seems like very active for quite a while in both the refugee, you know, both um making her presence known to the refugee community in portland as well as reaching out to various religious groups um she seems like she's just very proactive and likes talking to people
1: yeah i i, I i've heard um she was active in the uh, muslim advisory council as a member and the, there's a slavic police bureau advisory council and also she worked um you know after hours after a full day of work she would show up. Um, at the uh, Portland Airport to welcome new refugees mm-hmm. who were coming into uh, the city. Um, there was a Catholic Charities has a refugee resettlement program and the woman who served as director there said Jamie was just, you know, wonderful. She would text her, you know, S- such and such families coming in. It's, it's, you know, a certain time. It was usually late yeah. after 8 p.m. And, and she would show up in her uniform initially some in catholic charities or others were were concerned that law enforcement was showing up uh that it might frighten the new refugees but the director of this program really wanted to uh change the viewpoint uh that refugees have of law enforcement and from the get go um she said you know Jamie would just ask what can I do and and pick up their luggage and help bring it to their uh cars and um really try to assist and would just and also serve as an example to other officers and encourage them to go as well and do the same so
0: well it will be interesting if she continues that from from the top seat
1: yeah she said she hopes i mean she, she saw how um she was close to chief outlaw and she didn't expect to be chief yeah. <laughs> so quickly and so but she you know she got to watch outlaw very closely and she said you know Outlaw seemed to strike immediate bonds with people when she met them and she's hoping that her familiarity with the city and um might help her form these community bonds quicker
0: um you mentioned it she didn't expect to be chief so quickly um you know mayor wheeler uh, went and uh, did an extensive national search for chief outlaw, as you mentioned, but, but Mayor Wheeler, uh, hired, uh, chief rush pretty quickly. Were you surprised by that decision?
1: I think Wheeler was surprised by, um, outlaw leaving. And I think, um, you know, the mayor's office has said, I, I think they wanted a smooth transition. I he mentioned he explained his reasons for not doing a full search, even though he's facing some criticism for it. But um, they make sense. I mean, he said there's a lot going on in the police bureau right now. There's uh, they're starting negotiations with the police union this month. Uh, it's budget prep right now, starting these next few months. Um, and the DOJ settlement, they're trying to, you know, get sort of the court's approval that they're in compliance with the the huge number of, of um, requirements they must meet. So I think he was looking for a smooth transition. Um, and the way Chief Outlaw set up the command staff was— fairly different than most chiefs had had, at Mm. least in Portland. She she said she came to Portland and, and she thought she would be able to bring her own deputy chief and um when she got here she learned that that wasn't going to happen cuz there had to be council approval for a new position and budgeting for it and yeah. the person she wanted to bring wasn't going to wait for that so but anyway they ended up setting up a deputy chief position and she saw that position as more of the running the day-to-day operations of the bureau and and that's what Jamie was doing for the last 8 Months, So I think the mayor saw that as, well, that made sense. She's familiar. Mm-hmm. She's from the Bureau. Um, you know, who knows? You know, you could have got criticism again, bringing someone from the outside who's going to leave in two and a half yeah. years.
0: And, and the mayor faces a re-election right, this which year is as another well. another
1: big um, question mark. If he's not going to be around, then who's going to, you know, how's yeah. he going to attract someone? Not saying he's not going to be around, but...
0: Yeah, it's a, I mean, it's another variable. So, um, well, let's take a break and come back and talk about some of the the challenges that uh, Chief Rush uh, uh, faces and and just what's going on at the Bureau. What are some of the biggest challenges that that you see uh, facing the police bureau?
1: Well, I don't think they've had the number of vacancies that they've had that they have now. It is a pretty significant staffing shortage. Plus, they're facing added retirements this year, and they're having trouble recruiting new officers. So, it is impairing their ability on patrol or in investigation. So that that's a huge um, struggle. They've had it. They've had a struggle to hire for many years because they would um, like their hiring process would be dormant for a few years mm-hmm. and it'd have to start all over and and they've um that's not been the case the last few years, but they still are having many more vacancies. I think there's about a hundred and one or hundred and four uh, vacancies uh, currently. Uh, Their authorized strength is 1,001. So they're trying to, Chief Resch said, they're trying to speed up the background hiring process so people aren't waiting a year to find out if they've made it onto the bureau or not, but cut that down to six months. So that's a huge, um, struggle. And then the, you know, I heard this morning in a work session, they're just trying to figure out where to put the officers they do have. And, um, with traffic fatalities, as you know, right. um, 49
0: the, people died this, uh, back in uh, 2019, right. Yeah.
1: Which is more than the homicides, um, for the year, which were 36, um, you know, they, they showed a graph with the number of traffic officers are, have gone down from year to year, and that, and police contend that that's also contributing to the problems,
0: contributing to the problems of traffic fatalities. Yeah, because yes. there's less enforcement. Yeah, you know, it's it's um, right when you're when you're talking about seventy five to hundred fewer officers than you're used to. Um, you know, it, it it doesn't you just driving around town. You don't see I don't see cops very often. It's just uh, kind of the nature of the city today. Right? Um, what do you hear when you are talking to either people in the command structure or the rank and file? Like, what's morale like in the bureau?
1: You know, I think um, I think people are behind Chief Resch. I think uh, her officers, I the other commanders, rank and file have always felt she's, you know, she's risen quickly, but they feel she's she's qualified. Um, So I think they like that stability and not having to go through another search and not knowing who's going to take over again. Right. So the familiarity is is more settling for them. Um, I don't think officers are surprised that Chief Outlaw went to a bigger city. I mean, she's been active in national associations. um, And so I think they kind of expected this would be a stepping stone. Um, But. You know, in the last few years, a lot of the veteran officers, they hit 50 years old, 25 years on the bureau and they leave. They retire. They usually get jobs elsewhere. But you see fewer and fewer veteran officers sticking around longer where in years past they would. Um, Do you get a
0: sense of why from some of the people that you talk to?
1: Well, what I hear is, you know, a lot of officers complaining about the political climate in the city. Um, And, uh, you know, it's not also nationally. uh, There's more scrutiny of law enforcement and less support. So uh, I hear that is is a big factor.
0: When you when you say political climate, Max, do you mean um, the city council dynamics, or do you m- mean the kind of warring street culture that we've had here with Antifa and Patriot Prayer?
1: I think it's both. Yeah. I think it's both. I think um, I think they've you know the whole um, there, that one controversy regarding the crowd control lieutenant who was texting with Patriot Prayers, Joey Gibson. And um, once those text messages became public, um, there was quick uh, assertions by the mayor and other city commissioners um, basically deriding the lieutenant for these text messages and saying they were way too friendly and chatty. Um, before any investigation had been done, so right. that really hurt, destroyed morale in the bureau. And this you was know.
0: this was an officer who was his job was to reach out to these various groups, right?
1: Right. Part of intelligence gathering is trying to establish some rapport with people you're trying to learn about, doesn't mean necessarily you support them. Um, uh, you know, it's just like source development for in journalism, example. yeah, right. Um, uh But anyway, so that you know, and then there was a community listening session which further disturbed the officers um which prompted the mayor and and chief outlaw to hold listening sessions with officers at the precincts um anyway uh so that 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 was a low point for police officer morale, and um you know i've heard from officers out of outside of Portland who said. You couldn't pay them to work in Portland, which is, is horrible to say and yeah. think. But um yeah, I think this commission form of government also isn't easy for a chief of police who wants to get things done. Um, but yet, you know, she wanted to make a deputy chief position, but she had to get uh support from the full council, not just the police commissioner and funding for it and um you know, I, I know the police, you know, sometimes sit at those council meetings wondering, you know, what's the background? What's the familiarity, mm-hmm. education of some of the commissioners who are all of a sudden deciding how to manage a police
0: bureau? Right, because they might report to, um, in most cases, the mayor. But uh, the mayor is is a weak mayor um, who can assign bureaus but has to also build consensus with their four Colleagues, right? Uh, three right now uh, in the wake of uh, Nick Fish's death. But um, okay, so the, you've talked about the DOJ settlement a couple different times. Um, what? How important is that to how the bureau operates?
1: I think. Um, so earlier last year, the we, there's a city hired compliance officer who evaluates how the bureau is meeting the targeted requirements of this settlement. And um, it came out with a long report that said, basically, the Bureau's in substantial compliance with all of the all of the, the requirements. And there's a community oversight group, which was hailed as like this big, um, unique part of the city settlement agreement with the Justice Department And uh, the the initial group that met um, COAB, it was called Community Oversight Advisory Board, Mm -hmm. um, basically fell apart because there was just infighting and not great leadership. Um, And uh, so Mayor Wheeler put together a second uh, community group, and it's just getting underway. and they heard this report from the compliance officer describing uh, how the police bureau was in substantial compliance with the settlement agreement, which started because police were using excessive force against people with mental illness. And they, they just looked at the reality that in 2019, there were five police shootings, the most since uh, 2010. So, and most, at least three of the f- five who were shot and killed suffered from significant mental health problems. So the community group was very skeptical of the right. compliance officers findings, saying, we want to see outcomes. Right. Until we see outcomes, they're not so sure, you know, the training, the policies are making a difference.
0: Yeah, especially when, like, like you mentioned, three people die. That's a, uh, that's... That's three too many. Um, what uh, What do you think, you know, looking back at some of the chiefs that you've covered, are there traits that make a successful chief?
1: So I, I like the chiefs who spoke their minds and stood up for themselves and weren't afraid to, you know, maybe challenge the mayor, their boss, and just stand up for what they believe in. And, and I think the officers respect that as well. You couldn't have a thin skin, though, covering Charles Moose because he'd scream and and yell and (laughs) rant at you if there was something he didn't like. But, you know, that's part of our part of our job to to listen to. Um, I think it's tough. They are, you know, Chief Outlaw said I'm not a politician so many times to me. But, uh, you know, if she wanted to get something passed, she needed to know how to work city council and the mayor. Um, So, I mean, you've got to be a strong leader Um, and not necessarily, you know, there's been complaints that they're just following or listening that the mayor's really running the show. So, um, you know, I'm just looking back. I mean, there was Mark Croker who came from outside, came from Los Angeles Police Department after Mm -hmm. Charles Moose, and he um it was Mayor Katz who hired him, and he you know he brought in some of the l a there was a lot of riot control clad officers, i think even I recall it yeah you know, new year's eve celebrations downtown to try- try to keep the peace okay which um I don't think Portland was ready, you know yeah. wanted or um anyway, I think he got into the crosshairs with Mayor Katz, and he was gone um then Derek Foxworth who came from (laughs) came from inside the department but had some really bad choices uh he he just had an inappropriate relationship with with one of his assistants with a staff member desk clerk um so he was gone and then Chief Rosie Sizer you know I think she tried hard and uh just shows uh there is a political element to being chief because her successor was Mike Reese, who mm-hmm. was very tied to Randy Leonard, a city c- commissioner. And she got tossed when, you know, just a on a budget c- issue. Um, and I, Mike Reese was appointed. And um,
0: we skipped over Mayor Tom Potter, who was also a police chief, right?
1: Right. I wasn't. He, he was when I came, he was no longer chief. Yeah. But yeah, he was. um yeah, I think Potter was mayor when Sizer was chief. Right. Yes. Yeah. That's true. And but. Um,
0: so there's just been so many names. It's hard to keep track, honestly.
1: It's unsettling for officers who are trying to do their work there. And, um, you know, I know a lot of officers like working night shift or outside of Central Precinct. So they, you know, are, don't have to be bombarded with this constantly yeah. changing leadership landscape
0: um what will you be keeping an eye on in 2020 in, in terms of the police bureau obviously with the new chief at the helm but is anything in particular you're keeping an eye on
1: the year started with a great number of shootings not necessarily homicides but us uh, and shootings not you know in areas that where there hadn't been in northwest portland mm-hmm. um so i think there. How the bureau tries to get a handle on the on the gun violence, you know the police shootings, whether those will decrease or not or whether um and a big issue is uh the new Portland street response, which doesn't necessarily fall on my beat, but it affects police.
0: This it, is the effort to have non police officers respond to. It. Homeless camps and things of that nature, right so, yeah,
1: or people in mental health crisis where right. officers acknowledge they 're not the best suited for those kind of calls. Um, I know there's a pilot project planned, but um i you know chief outlaw said that's not, and others have said that's that's a small part that 's not going to be sufficient to handle the number of calls, um so looking at what else is going to be done. Um, in that area and there's been just so long I've been writing about the plan to bring body cameras to uh, body worn cameras to police and it's been um, you know I think I remember Charlie Hales was talking about yeah I was going to say
0: this. I was covering I was covering the Hales administration at the time and they were talking about this and that right. was six years ago
1: right right which is remarkable <laughs> Gresham I think just put you know just uh, put body cameras on their officers mm-hmm. here. I know there's some reluctance among council members. Yeah. And, um,
0: and then it's also a, uh, a national, a federal election, um, given the, uh, last three plus years of, uh, clashes on the streets here in Portland Uh, you know what what can we expect for uh, a police bureau under Chief Rush in terms of how they respond
1: Chief Rush actually signaled in her first press conference to expect more of the collaboration and assistance of outside agencies um, for Portland police when they deal with large protests especially in this election year which they you know are expecting and so um seeking uh assistance from other law enforcement agencies to to bolster their numbers
0: so reinforcements on the streets i guess well there's going to be a lot to look forward to and keep 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 track of as always and uh, a new chief as well thanks for sharing your insight max
1: sure thank you
0: thanks for listening to beat check with the oregonian read Max's profile of Jamie Rush in the episode notes or on oregonlive.com check out my stories on the transportation beat at oregonlive.com/commuting catch up on past episodes by subscribing to Beat Check anywhere you listen to podcasts a reminder to please leave us a rating and review to help us spread the word it helps others find the show until next time